What up, people? Hello. Uh, it's me, Brennan, and I got Ben here. Hey, guys. And then Jaina. Hi. And we're doing the Oasis podcast another week, and I'm, I'm pumped because I love every topic we pick. So I will start every podcast telling you how fired up I am. I don't love every topic we pick. <laughs> really? I yeah, do. I yeah. think. Yeah, that's why. And I think it's necessary. But I don't know if I love them all. See, I do. That's I, good. I think, honestly, I'll tell you guys this. There's been so many times where like someone has come to me and they're like, ask questions about certain things. And I'm like, yo, like, you just got to go listen to the podcast <laughs> we did on that because it, it helped me a ton, you know? Yeah. This has been a great resource for me. I've been prepping these every week. So today we are doing work. And we're going to talk work. about work uh, from a biblical perspective, dabble in a little bit of the culture stuff, and just, just show you where, where we want to lead you to this uh, as followers of Jesus. But before we get there, what is the worst job you guys have ever had? I can there go are, first. There are some bad jobs out yeah, there, so true. I'm expecting some good stuff. I haven't had anything really awful, but my first like legitimate job was after I graduated from high school that first summer, and I decided to just get like a summer job. Uh, just something to do, basically. So I got a job at Airpostal clothing oh, store. Oh, let's go. Wow. Look at that drip. I know. In the mall. That was still back in the day when everything was like tight t-shirts that were branded and like wow. nothing was cute. I could, I can feel the itchiness of the graphic yeah. on the inside oh, just yeah. hearing that. I spent I, seven years of my life only ever wearing Hollister t-shirts. <laughs> that is surprising. Oh, yeah. Oh. That makes sense. <laughs> that adds up. <laughs> All V-necks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't sell V-necks back then. I changed to V-necks, and then I went to straight, just deep V, only color shirts, no graphic, no anything. Yeah, now I just I wear what's at home. Yeah, I get there that. There you go. All right, Jaina, back to your, you were at Aeropostale. <laughs> yeah, so I worked at Aeropostale for two months, um, and it was, like, the people that I worked with were fine, but usually it was just me and one other person, and usually that was a manager, so that was, like kind of boring and it was in a mall and it wasn't a super busy mall and Aeropostale was even the least busy but it was like we would spend all of our time going around and like folding shirts or like tucking tags back into the ones that are hanging and then three minutes later somebody comes in and just ruins it all mm. so the whole time was just like going around and picking up clothes and folding them and it was awful and I tried to take off time for a family vacation and they scheduled me anyway and i was like well i'm not here so i'm not coming I in quit. oh what and i was like so i quit and they were like okay <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it ended <laughs> yeah there was this one job i was working as a plumber one summer and they they were they hired a bunch of plumbers and they actually ran out of tools so they made me do all the stuff by by hand uh, i didn't get any tools so i was just like working on these toilets with just Nah, I'm just kidding. I, I was wasn't. like, what the heck? <laughs> I was going to get deep at, like, you ever seen Dirty Jobs? Well, Rob yeah. Lowe or whatever his name is? Yeah. I was trying to get to that, but you guys were giving me such bad glances, I wasn't going to get there. Well, I thought was like, Brendan has never told this story before. And then I was like, why would someone hire him as a plumber? <laughs> I would be a good plumber if I didn't have to touch the toilet. No. And you're not a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I did have a bad job in high school. I worked at Dairy Queen, but I worked at a baller Dairy Queen to start. You know, for like my first nine months, I was at this DQ Chillin' Grill before Chillin' Girls were like the norm. So we had food, we had ice cream. It was it was sweet. I got to work with some really fun people. But then they got bought by new and new owners, and I was 15, and they had a policy. They only hired people over 16, so they they laid me off. <laughs> they fired me, but nicely they, they laid laid me off. So then I was like, oh, I know Dairy Queen. So I popped over to the one on 
the like across town well kind of across town and i started working there and it was terrible <laughs> it was so boring and the people were not fun at all and i just i hated it so my buddy had a birthday party and it was a sleepover friday night into a, a saturday morning and i was scheduled for both shifts friday night and saturday morning so friday night of course i'm like i think i was a freshman i called in terrible migraine had come on you know i just i couldn't come into work and she's telling me how i have to find a replacement or get like a doctor's note and i was like you know i just can't do it like i can't be on my phone so i was lying but so i didn't come in friday and then saturday morning we had stayed up way too late and i remember vividly laying in bed seeing call after call come from dairy queen and i just never called them back so i knew at that point i had quit but i didn't say it to him so my mom being a wise woman that she is she told me that i had to call them and actually quit i couldn't just not ever show up again and when i called i told them which was probably it's kind of realistic i said i was busy and i was looking to do other things and i i told them that i wasn't going to be back and the manager just cold as ever told me well when people don't show up we just take them off the schedule so you were already fired <laughs> And it hurt. It hurt bad. <laughs> You're done. It hurt bad. So then I didn't go to that Dairy Queen for like three years. I couldn't face the manager. <laughs> so no, I wasn't a plumber, but man, I got owned by DQ. <laughs> that sounds oh, awful. Geez. Um, probably parent. Oh, oh my gosh. First job is I'm major. just kidding. No, um, I actually I look back and a lot of my jobs I really I don't know if I loved, but I never minded them because most of them had to do with working with people. And as an actor, I was just like, oh, this is great. I did get fired from a job and arrested and, and told I couldn't go there for two years. But that's a different story. Um, but I love the job. Um, I think the worst one I had to go back to when I was a sophomore in high school. My mom managed a kitchen and pool at a country club. And here on South Dakota, yes, there's a country club there. Wow. Uh, and so, like, as her children, we had to, like, work because she, one, couldn't find anyone else to do the jobs that were necessary, to, mm-hmm. you know, for the for the pool. But so I would have to sit in the concession stand every day and watch all my friends swim and have fun oh. and just sitting in the shack. And then they come and get their stinky laffy taffies and all these things mm-hmm. so that was probably the worst more so because i'm missing out on fun um yeah but did you at least get to smash the food just like go in no you didn't get to eat no not for free oh bro yeah but as a middle schooler i got to work concession stand and the the person helping us didn't care so we would just go <laughs> in oh, yeah. on the no, snacks i worked in the state fair and worked at a concession stand it was yeah. incredible oh yeah yeah so awesome. I've I've had a lot I'm of probably gained jobs. some weight as a middle schooler doing that. But. I've worked in a nursing home kitchen. That was great. As much as we want to hear all of I, Ben's uh, terrible my, jobs, my great uncle passed away and, and gave me a car wash once, and we had to raise fifty thousand dollars in the summer in order to keep it open. Just kidding. Wow. That's the premise of a movie. I didn't actually. Oh have wow! <laughs> he had me sold. <laughs> I know. I was, I like, was wow. in. I was like, I skipped the whole rest of the podcast. I need to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> ben as an entrepreneurial person yeah. work in the oh, and that would have been gold man sorry okay we got to get into it we're, we we're deep move. in the podcast already but what we're doing today is we're talking work and to start where did this where did work come from because it has an origin you know like it didn't just pop up one day well and even yeah i mean the bible <laughs> uh when you look at even the very first chapter of the bible and i love how just poetic and descriptive 
the first chapter is and just the reality of all creation. It's what you see, this topic of work actually is just in the first two chapters here. So it's God does this work. And so he does all these things in creation. That's work. And he calls it really good. And so work, not just in and of itself and, and fulfilling and, and doing the work, but also what comes out in the, the not consequences, but the finishing or whatever, yeah, yeah. The, the, the product of the work is good. And then so he creates, right, mankind. He said, let us make them in our image. And in Genesis 2, the very first command towards Adam is this reality, all right, you're going to live on this or on, on this earth. He takes him to the garden and says, um, he takes him to the garden, places him there to work it and to take care of it. He gives him a job. He gives him responsibility. So right from the beginning of scripture, we see this reality that work is going to be a part of life. Mm-hmm. So not just even a part of life is something we have to do. It's something that we get to do, not even by ourselves too. And it, immediately God notices says, all right, Adam should not be alone and tries to help and find him a suitable person and helper to do the work and, and to take care of the land and to take care of all the animals. And I mean, his first job, Brennan. Yeah, after, and when he's like in the garden, I always think this is so baller. Like, God brings him all of the animals. I don't know if it's like signal file line, they're just like coming to him, and Adam gets to name them. <laughs> it's like, can you just picture it? And you're like, here comes all these animals, and this this one pulls up, and then you're like, hippopotamus. He's like, oh, let's go. That'd be so sick. And then one pulls up, and you hate it, and you're like, cat. <laughs> wow. But Man, I guess that doesn't work because he called Platypus? Yeah, like, like what, do you, what is that? I don't know, man. That would be a that is work because that that's a lot of animals. He was sitting there and just and how did he not how did he not do more repetition? Like the creative mind. It's think incredible. Of, think how the creative mind is now, and I think that's an aspect of how we were made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Like we're cre- like just how creative humans can be. Yeah. Think about before the fall. Holy moly! And then as he's naming animals, he's supposed to find a a helper, a suitable helper. Yeah. And so he's looking at all these animals who are supposed to help him. Yeah. It says not one is suitable, so God creates Eve. And then the next command comes. And so it's not only work together, take care of land, but be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. And Adam said, okay. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> he blessed the union and say, okay, next, what are we talking about? But unfortunately, <laughs> couldn't stay that way. Yeah. It's kind of sad. And so yeah. how, what happened to work? You know, like it starts as this good thing God's doing, Adam's doing it well, you know, like it, it seems so positive. But our experience with work is not always that. So what what changed? Just like every good thing in life, the fall happened. And sin destroyed everything. Mm. And sin corrupted everything. And sin twisted everything, including work. Um, And so the fall happens, right? There's deception. Uh, There's a great command. So we know that pre-fall, pre-sin, pre-destruction, pre-death, command is all right, work be fruitful, multiply. We know it's a good thing. It's something God desires for humanity. The fall happens. And then what you see is that now not just life changes, not just getting um, excommunicated from the garden. There's a reality of the present. Their relationship with God has been destroyed. But even work has changed. And we see that uh, in Genesis 3, verse 17, the curse literally he gives to Adam. Uh, and verse 17 says, cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it, you were taken for dust. You are to dust. You return. What we see is that his job, the work Adam was called to do was to take care of right the ground 
take care of the animals, take care of the earth. Now, all of a sudden, that take care of the work that was beautiful and was good is now cursed, and it's mm-hmm. going to be hard, and it's going to be painful. And it's still work, but now sin is corrupted in a way that has made it almost, I'm not going to say, yeah, just difficult to do ultimately what God is asking us to do in the midst of our work. No, that's that's so hard, but it, it's the truth. That's what we believe happened, and that's the reality we're still living in. So to turn that to that present is like, how does that still show up today? Yeah. You know, we I think some of us can, we feel it, but how would we articulate just the brokenness of work still today? Yeah. I mean, when we look at the way that our culture looks at work today, like our entire lives are centered around work. Like as a kid, you spend the first 23 years of your life, 18 to 23 years of your life, working for an education so that when you graduate from high school or you graduate from college, you can get a job and you can work. And mm-hmm. we've set up the way that our culture works even in that is that then you work all your life and you're working for retirement. And then when you retire, a lot of the time those people still work because they don't know how to do anything else. So hmm, everything good. in our life focuses around work um, and just doing things to some extent. Yeah, and that's just kind of the way the society ticks. Yeah. That's so weird. And, and it's not even – if that was the basis of it, I think – it would be wrong, but still not as bad as we see it because it turns from not even you're just working to work or like, but you're, you're overworking so yeah. consistently. And, and there's, there's people who will do this well and they hold work in tension. But as a culture and a society, we're extremely prone to overwork and yeah. to not hold any tension with rest, but it's just get everything done, work as hard as you can, work as many hours as you can to make as much money as yep. you can. When you can even see too how like the... Um, standard hours of work per week has increased yeah. mm-hmm. even in the last 50 years where no one worked on the weekends and no one worked in the evening so that, that was like designated family time but now like people will work literally all day long mm-hmm. and then have weekend shifts as well so it's like we've even gotten worse at this well yeah in the last 50 years and i was reading this book that was talking about this whole concept and it, it was incredible that i think it was the 40s and i'm not going to remember exactly what the date was but there was this presidential like council that came together that was going to discuss future problems that was their job is to to discuss and then make solutions based on what they predicted would come as problems in the future and they were seeing the progress of the industrial revolution of technology and all of these things and they were noticing that as a people we were able to get more done in less time Mm -hmm. so one of the problems they predicted during that was that people were not going to work as much and they were going to increase their leisure time. So they they thought people were going to turn to laziness and they thought Mm -hmm. people were going to go and work 10 hours a week because that's what they could accomplish as what they were working 40 now. And then we'd have a whole generation or whole people group who are only working 10 hours a week. So they put structures in place to make it so that people had to work full work weeks and had to progress in that. And yet they were so off on the problem that the rules they put in place were the exact opposite, that people, instead of increasing leisure time, they desired more money and Mm -hmm. they increased their hours of work. So their complete prediction was that people didn't value leisure and not working as much as they thought. They valued money way more. And I was just, it's crazy. Like this was something that happened 80 something years ago. Blows my mind. Yeah. Otherwise, if we're going beyond just like societal where do you think the church plays into this? Like, how is the church teaching about work nowadays? I, well, and I think even just the, as followers of Jesus, what ends up happening is 
especially as a youth and young adults, you try to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do with my life, right? Yeah. Classic question, big question. So the church tries to come in and say, well, no matter what you do, right, do it in a way that is going to glorify Jesus, right? Whatever you're going to do, what does it look like to help in your context of work bring people to Jesus? Whatever you're going to do. So in reality, we don't talk about the specifics of what it looks like to find a career, to have a job. And so because I don't think, I, I even for us, like we don't address it. What we do is we address the big picture idea of recognize the overall will, the revealed will that God has for your life. Glorify him, make disciples, worship Jesus, surrender everything of who you are to him, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about like start there and then everything else. I think we kind of say it in a way that like everything else will fall underneath that. And so we don't press into like actually what does it look like to one – Recognize your passions as you pursue what a career, what, what careers might have. Um, how do we help people understand that some some are called specifically to specific jobs? Like I think my wife was called to be a PA, hmm. definitely to work in medicine, yeah. without a doubt. Whether that was a PA, whether that was a doc, whether that was I mean even a, whatever it was, I believe just from her passion. I mean, you could I could I could argue like her dad's a doctor, her brother's a doctor. Like maybe it was just in the family. I think she just was called in that. But the biggest reason behind it was like she's passionate about people, mm-hmm. and the way she wanted to help and serve people was through medicine. Well, there's some people who don't have that specific calling, and if they don't have that like specific idea of what they want to do, there's a wrestling of, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so we kind of freak out, and because we don't know specifically what direction we need to go, we worry about it, and we're concerned with it, and it ultimately even has the potential to bring up anxiety. Mm-hmm. So in, like when I talk to people, when I talk to young adults, I love to try to re rephrase or re I don't even know what the word would be help them like reevaluate the question reevaluate what they're asking reevaluate what they're going with so someone will come to me and say like I'm really passionate about people but I don't know what I'm supposed to do and so what happens is we tend to sit in that and think like I don't know what to do I don't know what I'm supposed to do what am I supposed to do pray 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 God revealed what to do instead of seeing it as actually a beautiful gift to look at it as actually you're free to choose anything you're free to choose anything that deals with working with people. Mm. And so you have the freedom to not have to worry about making a wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Like that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about it like that. Yeah. So how do we help people understand even in the church? Yes, we want you to love Jesus and we want you to pursue Jesus with everything. But don't get so caught up on specifically what does career look like? What does work look like day to day? It's mm-hmm. go after what you're passionate about. And in the midst of that, as you trust God, know that this, I think yeah. not things will be perfect, right? No, I think yeah. things will go well for you. And I, yeah. Just real quick, I think that doesn't stop prayer. It just yeah, reorients. Yeah, it shifts prayer. You know, like that's what you were saying. People are so dedicated to to try and pray to get this specific answer from God. But when you open up freedom and give yourself a choice, like the beauty of that is you can ask God to partner with you in that and help continue to guide you as you make decisions. Yeah, and I was just thinking how part of the problem in that in that wrestling and that tensioning of what do I do? What's my career? comes from just an unhealthy view of success in our culture that I, I mean far too many like you know college graduates think they have to leave and have the best job or be in yeah. their mm-hmm. career right yep. away it's like you, that doesn't hap- happen immediately for most people and you don't need to get disheartened by that or maybe you need to take the entry-level job or maybe you need to go do a job that you're not even interested Super, in yeah. for a season and then we also have a problem of hierarchy of <laughs> jobs and, and what's socially acceptable versus what's not and you know yeah all yeah those things. all those it's people hating really on me for being a, a plumber yeah i just don't know like why i was that. just but trying to i was just trying to do my thing you know? you know the people who work in a restaurant or you know like yeah we look at we look down upon them because they don't have an, a suitable career hmm. and 
yeah, standards. And that's really unfortunate yep. because we every we need every job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So turning the conversation even a little bit, what are the biblical expectations we see when it comes to work? So we see Genesis uh, 1 and 2, we see Genesis 3, and then what comes after that where it's like, how are they telling us to continue to work? Yeah. Well, when we look at Scripture um, and looking in the New Testament, um, Paul just, he writes so many letters to the early church, giving them encouragement, giving them um, just wisdom about how to live life and how to do things. And so a lot of the um, even suggestions we have come from his letters. So the first one that I would bring up is um, from Colossians 3 um, and verse 23. Paul just writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Um, and Ben kind of already got into this, that as we work, does what we do give glory and honor to God? Does it describe worth to him? Is it worship in that sense? Um, and that can look in so many different ways. Yeah. And so I just, I think that's an important question to reflect on no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Of, are you giving honor? Are you working solely towards mm-hmm. the Lord? Who's your boss? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great general opener. Uh, after that, I'd talk about 1 Thessalonians 2.9, and it's Paul saying... Uh, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. And as people, I think we have a temptation to go towards extremes. So we'll see culture push for overworking. Work is all that matters. Work is everything. And then we'll try and swing against that and we'll make work nothing. You know, it doesn't matter at all. And what I do with my time or how I work, it doesn't matter. And Jaina's verse in Colossians should already crush that. But then Paul goes again here, and he's just very, very clear that as Christians and as he's trying to preach the gospel, he worked to provide for himself because he didn't want to be a burden to other people. He wanted to keep his platform pure in kind of a sense so that the gospel would hopefully fall on good soil that he's trying to cultivate. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just I just love that because I don't want us to swing all the way to the other side and say it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. I don't have to work. Like, no, you absolutely do. You're not called to just be a burden and and mooch off of other people. Like, continue to provide for yourself. And and in there's seasons where you'll need other people's help. Like, yes. I love I love that the community of the church can absolutely provide that for it's you. True. Yeah. So Which gets to the next one of mm-hmm. the reality of like what does that actually look like to work hard? Yeah. <laughs> to not be lazy. And this, so another one of Paul's letters, actually the second letter to the church in Thessalonica, he says for in uh, chapter 3, verse 10, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So one that says, if you're willing to work, do it. If you are able to do it, you need to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's just a reality that what does it look like to not go to one spectrum to where you're worshiping work, yeah. but then also go to the other spectrum where work is unimportant and I can be lazy. There's a legit balance in all of that. Like there's a call against for us, even in scripture, as you look towards the Proverbs, as you, as we see, again, Proverbs aren't promises. It's just a reality of like, when you do this, this is what probably will happen if everything kind of goes well. But Proverbs 16, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. In all toil, there's profit, but mere talk tends only to profit, uh, poverty. 
A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Mm -hmm. So like there's a reality and, and a pushback from scripture to be lazy, not to push into the work, not to push into actually, yeah, providing for self mm -hmm. so that you're not a burden to people, but also in that there's opportunity to provide for others. Like work is good in a sense that it gives us opportunity to provide for me, my family. Mm -hmm. Like there's things that like we need and work is a, is a way that we go about getting those things if everything in life kind of lines up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just feed you this transition to your second one, but First Thessalonians four eleven through 12, and it, Paul's again, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we have told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. And again, he's flushing out this idea, but you want to just keep rolling with what you, what you have for next? Yeah, just the idea of, I think there's an incredible opportunity that we don't see when we do commit our work to the Lord and commit our hands to the Lord and we, we do that, the idea where Paul says there to like to win the respect of outsiders, do you recognize that how you work, the way you approach it, the way you put time and energy and effort, not that it's an idol, as an opportunity for worship, one, it's saying, God, you've provided this opportunity for me. You, This is an opportunity for me to show your goodness, to show your glory, to show your beauty. And in that, as we work hard, there's a reality of like, okay, other people see that. And and there's an aspect of just because sin is sin and humans are humans, like, oh, maybe there's laziness or not laziness, but uh, jealousy, right? And sin comes in and there's pride and there's different stuff that we have to battle against. But I think there's an opportunity in our work for evangelism. Like when I when I had a when I have bosses and jobs that I've had, especially as a father, he's like I worked at Taco John's when I was in college, and it was some of it was gross and really hard, and just like there's grease and there's fat and there's like oh the cleaning of stuff. But I'm I'm in the midst of like pursuing my degree to 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 be a pastor, and like I wanted to work well. Uh, one, I felt like that provided opportunity for me to serve my coworkers well, to serve my boss as well. And it actually did open up opportunity for me to share the gospel, to share the love of Jesus. Like I'm doing this because God has made me able to actually do the work, but also like, I want to do it well. I have a, a friend who works at a different church who would challenge, he was a, a D1 football player, loved playing football, was really good, but he would tell like athletes and he would go preach it to athletes and talk to athletes at chapel in high school. And he would say like, do this, like work hard. Be like, if you're going to do something, if you're going to like actually put your time in any or commit to something, do it and do it well and do it obviously unto the Lord and for his glory. Like when we're lazy, I think we're slapping God in the face. I think we're saying like, yeah, this is something that you've gifted me to be, and I want to use my talents and treasures well to be able to do. And then to not do it diligently and to not do it passionately and to not try is saying, I don't care about how you created me, about the gifts you give me or the opportunities that you presented to me. So like, what does it look like to understand and recognize like you can worship and even evangelize through your work. And some of worship in work is just this reality of like, when you're stressed, what does it look like to trust God in those moments of anxiety at work? When the when their relationship with the boss is hard and frustrating and you don't know what to do, how do you trust God in those moments? It's an opportunity to worship and just to trust, uh, even if your specific job or career is difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, just reframing what it looks like to work and do it well. And I love that your friend said that because as a D1 athlete myself, stop. I just, I needed those words because it's hard out here for us spectacular human beings with our physical giftedness. But it was, I, honestly, for me, it was cool to hear someone who was successful in a, yeah. in a sport to say like, like just even talent aside, work hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like what does it look like to work hard in this 
And then in that, he was really good about teaching. Was it mean to be a good loser? But but um, more seriously, I do I do like the exact exactly what you said. And I think our lead pastor here, Steve Norby, says it really well. He always says, "Good works pro- provide yeah. us goodwill to, to to proclaim the good news." Yeah. And it's just like as you do the things, people have better relationship or thoughts about you that open up areas for you to share the gospel. Yeah. And that's just a reality. So. Here's where I want to end. Uh, I wanted to give everybody here at the table, so the three of us, an opportunity to say something, like maybe just like personal advice, where it's like, oh, maybe we didn't hit this in the podcast, or I, this has just been really helpful for me when I've been balancing work and life and all these different things. Uh, so here it is. Here's your opportunity to say whatever you would like, as long as it involves work. Something I've had to remind myself, and this goes into various aspects of life, is that your life is only going to be as good as your attitude. And so there are going to be times, there are going to be seasons, there are going to be jobs that you don't like, that are difficult, that are hard, relationships are bad. But you, the attitude that you bring into it can help shape the outcome. Even if it's still bad, even just reshaping your attitude can help to make it better for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my encouragement. Amen. You just gonna I, double I wanna, down on I that? I want to copy that. <laughs> copy paste. I love send. It. Hey, you can take that. Whatever. I, I like that. <laughs> no, too. I think if you're if you're gonna commit to something, do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, it sometimes it's gonna be hard. Yeah. But what does it look like to finish a commitment? Because right now, and I'm I'm just gonna say it. The older generations are looking at us, millennials and Gen Zs, and saying we're lazy. Mm-hmm. So because we make these commitments and then we change commitments and then we change commitments and then we change because it got hard. Mm-hmm. or got difficult or we weren't expecting something to happen and so some of that I think again that's why I copy and paste Jane is like the reality of some of it is it's like no I'm going to commit to this I'm going to have a good attitude about it mm-hmm. and recognize sometimes it's going to be difficult but that's okay yeah. and mine would just be leave comparison out of work uh, and I'm not even talking about your own job yep. but your friends your family the yeah. people you see working jobs and they post on social media about that party they had at work or that thing they get to do at work but you don't see everything they're doing like yeah. nobody's putting the, the mundane tasks they don't like on their social media it's the it's the high moments that you get yep. to see so then all of a sudden we get into this I mean, their job is awesome, and my job feels like such drudgery, and my job doesn't pay as well, and they're driving this car, or they're getting this experience, or they're traveling to this place because of their work. And just try and leave all of that out because God maybe has placed you in there to learn something, to do something. So I don't want you missing out on that because you're looking at someone else's yep. stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, the grass isn't always greener. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last thing. Yeah, I think we need to say this, and we'll come out with a podcast about this, but the reality is that... <clears throat> uh, Rest is an incredibly key and important part of work and what that looks like in our life. And so even as we look at the first aspect, and we'll talk about this in our rest podcast, which will come out in a couple weeks probably or in the next month or so, is God creates humanity and and Adam and Eve and mankind on day six. And the first full day that Adam and Eve experience is a day of rest. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that you can work too much, you can overwork to the point of like your body telling you you need to stop and slow down. So what does rest look like? And to get rest well in the midst of knowing we are people who need to work because it's good. Yeah. So part two on rest coming to you shortly. Otherwise, peace out. Bye. Yeah.